Who wants, Daddy, who wants a pot of coffee? I just make coffee. You want a cup of coffee? Sure, there you go. Who wants coffee? Anybody else want coffee? Who wants coffee? And now, it's time for the man with the caffeine. The new tropics for the brain. It's Coffee with Mike. Hang in, hang tight, grab your cup, and let's get this thing started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Java Chat. This is Coffee with Mike, and I get to sit down with Anthony Sabatino. And, of course, we had some technical issues this morning, so I'm, I'm feeling really good. And, boy, October 29th, you're not supposed to be screwing up like this on your birthday. But, hey, here we are. <laughs> so, thank you, Anthony, both for your patience and for coming on to Java Chat. <laughs> of course, Mike. I'm ready for you. Um, Anthony is the CEO and founder of SPF uh, Solutions. It's a, it's basically a business consultancy. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit, of course, about Anthony's history, where he comes from, and where how he started. Um, and and there's some real cool information that you guys are going to learn here in a minute. Again, um, just but just give him an idea, Anthony, and where you're from, what you do, how you got to where you're at, and and we'll get we'll get back into it again. Yeah, of course, of course. Don't worry about it at all. So my name is uh, Anthony Sabatino. I'm the CEO and founder of my company called ASPF Solutions. We are a business consulting company. We are located here in New York City. Um, basically, so we'll work with small to medium-sized businesses in that transitional phase of scale. Um, we focus on two major areas, which I'm sure we'll get into today, but around usually leveraging brand and company structure mm -hmm. uh, and back-end systems. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so I basically started two other businesses before creating this one and boiled everything down through the experiences that I've had, as well as the mask experiences that I've had with mentors and coaches to formulate basically the strategy that I use and give to other companies that I'm consulting with. Um, so that's basically about me and I'm excited to kind of dive deeper. Yeah, cool. So we, we, we started digging into some of the earlier parts of things where you mentioned you were learning the uh, laws of supply and demand, understanding business um, business operations, so to speak, and, and getting into some of that. Um, and it was, I think, is that part like, is that just part drop shipping or is that, is that like what Gary Vee does? He goes out and does the garage sale thing or how, do, how does that look? It's a little bit more the Gary Vee style. <laughs> so what I was doing basically both are things, mm. um, but what I was doing at the time, um, was more of just flipping, right? Just basically finding products that were lower in some other places and selling them higher. And again, just to kind of grasp that mentality of what business was. Um, and then kind of what we were alluding to before, um, took it a step further from there um, and started and built a team around, which I still have an Amazon FBA store, which just stands for fulfillment by Amazon. Mm -hmm. um, so be able to build that to a really nice number um, in revenue per month. So started out that to kind of really hone in the entire process of e-commerce. So built an entire company off of that as well. Um, and then here we are right now, kind of working with other companies, consulting about you know, a few different topics. So yeah, overall, the experiences of, you know, just flipping really gives a lot of executional knowledge about what business is. So we get a lot of uh, younger listeners, obviously, that they're probably wondering, okay, so you did that. What is that like? I mean, what, what did that really take? Or like, maybe like, what are some of the lessons that you learned in the early days of doing that? Because like building an FBA store is not exactly... It's, it's no, it's no easy task. There is, a, there's, it's part science, part art, and you do have to kind of figure it out. So what, what kind of lessons can you share that you got out of that? Yeah. So with the FBA store specifically, the biggest thing we wanted to do was not drop ship. Cause I know that's a lot of what people are doing. Um, what's interesting, and this might be a nice piece of information for a lot of your listeners 
on Amazon's policy specifically, drop shipping is not permitted. So it's very, very tough to, you know, continue that with a good amount of confidence. So we wanted to go the complete, you know, real wholesome route and really went with an FBA store. And basically what that looks like, right, is we'll have different brand deals um, with different clothing lines that we will basically wholesale um, and people will buy from Amazon, goes through Amazon's fulfillment center, gets shipped right to them. We take the, you know, the difference. Yeah. So um, we have done that for a while now, um, over a year, um, built it out to really nice number. Um, but the lessons I would say I've learned was especially starting in the basically personal flipping area, right, of mm -hmm. life and, mm -hmm. and bring it into the FBA model. One of the things that I've learned is just how much opportunity there is in e-commerce to where you are able to almost lean in mentally as well as physically to a lot of this process that a lot of people might not know a whole ton about because it's a little confusing at face value. But if you can really wrap your head around the execution of it, just at a very small level, which is what I was kind of alluding to, right? Like just literally buying something for a profit can give you a whole different lens and perspective of what, you know, just business online has. Um, so yeah, that I would say that's the biggest lesson is if you can just wrap your head around doing it yourself, just at a very small level, it kind of opens up the gates of what is possible. Makes it, makes it a little easier to see a larger structures when you start actually having to do troubleshooting and consulting. That's, yeah, that's pretty absolutely. fair, right? Yeah, one of the, we used to actually do drop shipping when it was allowed. Um, but of course, you know, you always got the guys that go out there and ruin it for everybody else. So that then eventually all changed. Um, so some of the things that you probably learned doing the FBA side is sourcing, logistics, even though FBA still, even though Amazon fulfills it, there's still, there's still shipping times in between that. So there's, there's a bunch of other principles that you probably ended up learning while you were building that. Is that fair? It's definitely fair. Um, I would say one of the biggest ones, and I think it's almost a tried and true statement in business, which is everything always takes longer than you think. Right? Um, <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> everything always takes longer than you think. So um, that has been the biggest, and that business specifically, and I'd love to, you know, we can talk about the ASPF solutions business as well, but the fulfillment side of, of you know, e-commerce in general, that has given me that in full view, right? It is always going to take longer than you think of whatever it is you're out to. And I think sometimes that's a good thing because it kind of shows you the facade that or the shaky ground you thought you were standing on and give you a little bit more of a breakdown of what was there the whole time. You want to stand on something a little bit more sturdy, right? Um, and I do feel like thinking everything's going to go like this doesn't necessarily give you that sturdy ground. So yeah, with the logistics, you know, even things you got going on right now with the coronavirus and, and shipping times, you know, there's things all over the map that are involved in, in logistics and details around you know, things like that. But yeah, I would say that would be the biggest lesson behind just other principles. You know, what's really interesting is that because I'm also a consultant too, how often in the space, any space for that matter, do we see business owners having those unrealistic expectations? Like we have a goal, we have a timeline and you look at it and you go, uh, I'm not so sure that timeline is realistic. Oh no, no, we can make it. We have the team. We have this. Like, yeah, but you've, you, you're not accounting for a couple of things like the stuff that can go sideways that you have no control over. Mm -hmm. If you don't give yourself enough padding, you know, you're, you're an accident waiting to happen. But yeah. how many times have we run into that one? All, too many times. <laughs> and I interesting perspective on that, actually. Um, so you can always, I tend to look at things very tactically, right? So there's, like you said, right, there's two or three things that you can control that mm -hmm. are physical, tangible things in the business side. Mm -hmm. 
you can also look at it on the other side of the coin as a more like a holistic overview of what mm-hmm. you, the perspective and insight of what you're doing mm-hmm. is, right? So mm-hmm. I tend to lean into that a lot when the tactics are evident. So you can look at it this way as well. If you, you know, cause like you said, you know, we both de- dealt with business owners and businesses themselves that struggle with this. So one of the things that I'll always bring up is, well, instead of you thinking that you can just make it happen in a certain amount of time without accounting for all those other things, what if you're actually just over-rationalizing your fear of not wanting something to happen and you've convinced yourself of X, right? And that has given you this complete vulnerability and downside that you can't even see because now you're too inside the bottle and you can't read the label. So that I think is really, really interesting, especially because you can kind of, I'm sure you can as well. I can kind of see it right up the bat based on the, the communication style of how we're talking about it. You can see just exactly how shaky the ground they think they're standing on is. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a real tough battle. I, I, lo- I love the analogy. And if you don't mind, while we're talking, I'm going to, I'm going to basically write that one down. You're so far yeah. in the bottle. You can't read the label. Yeah. That's, that's a quote, dude. You need to, you need to coin that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good one yeah that, that, yeah i've never i i personally have not heard that one yet i'm usually like you're too far inside the tornado to understand what's going on you need somebody from the outside but yours, yeah. yours is great and you're too far inside the bottle to be able to see the label read the label i'm, I'm yeah. definitely writing that one down um how do you remedy something like that i mean and and i'm, I'm just talking just real fast kind of spitball shot how do you remedy something like that with somebody that doesn't see it like they are too far in the bottle and they can't read the label. And even if you pull the label off the bottle and turn it around and go, here you go, here's, here's what's going on. How do you deal with that? I mean, I, I know it's managing personality and communication styles, but where, how do you, how do you bring it to light to where it's like the, the aha moment occurs? Yeah. So, you know, I always look at it like this. There's two ways people are going to change in situations like this. Number one, they're going to somehow form a level of accountability of themselves to then listen to someone who else has a different perspective who has done so, or they're going to hit some level of a rock bottom and learn from themselves, which obviously nobody wants to hit the rock bottom, nor do we want those people to ever hit the rock bottom in order for them to figure out something. Sure. So, but it is usually the second option. But the first one I would say to remedy it is implementing a high level accountability of self to know that you are in full control of the actions that you are doing. And then there's going to be other things that you can't control, like we both alluded to. But in terms of you being able to know that you are in control of certain amount of things, you have to have high level accountability of those things as the owner and the leader to then be able to reverse engineer whatever it is your ambition is, right? So that's what I would say. There's no real perfect science to remedying that other than time and accountability. But the biggest thing that I've noticed in certain companies that I've worked with as well as myself is there's levels to the game of accountability. If you can just take it a step further, you begin to kind of you know situate things a little better in your own head of how to remedy something like yeah yeah i can get it done like like you know or just completely screw up the timeline of things just realizing accountability i think is the first step to doing that i have a it's interesting i see a mix of that where some some of the leaders do take accountability um to to a good level um maybe not as far as what you just suggested Uh, i do know a couple guys that would like they'll, they'll just, they'll fall on their own sword if they have to. Um, and, and their, their follow, their employees would fall them over a cliff. That's, you know, a really good leader. And then you got the ones that just kind of don't catch it. They never get it. Um, which is unfortunate because then that's, that's a, that's a failure business waiting to happen. Um, motivating somebody like that, 
I mean, is there a way to do it? Have you ever come across a situation where you were actually able to take somebody who was like, no, nah, it's not me to a point of, oh, hmm, okay, maybe it is. Can you, can you help us through that? Yeah. 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 And I have. And so one of the ways that is so <clears throat> effective and efficient in this way is shifting the environments and the things that you're consuming. Mm. So as I'm sure we all know, right, we're all products of our environment in one way or another, but take that a little bit step further in terms of like business decisions and actually, you know, making a move for yourself here. When you're in a position, like we just explained, one of the best ways that you can get it to the point of, oh, no, maybe I can. And then actually doing it is shifting where you are standing in your own environment. So I've done, I like to pride myself on doing this because I've spent a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money in through other coaches and people who are much higher levels than me being able to kind of lift me up. And I think everybody knows that they should do that. It does become very difficult to do it. So, and we can get into kind of why I have an interesting perspective on why that is. All right, we'll, we'll be happy to hear it for sure. <laughs> cool. But yeah, I would say overall, right? If you know that you're that kind of person that maybe just can't, right? Or just doesn't have it in them to make it happen. Well, that would be your decision. You have one or two options, kind of like I said before, right? You can hit a rock bottom and give it up and just call it what it is. Or you can kind of take accountability and say, I want to shift where I am. I want to shift what's going in my ears and what I'm looking at and the people that are around me. And that will energetically, I think just overall, help you shift the way you think and your perceptions will change. Everything will kind of become more in alignment of what's around you anyway, right? So if you're in just a better space, you're going to start automatically aligning a little bit more with that space anyway. Um, but like I said, it's very hard for people to do that, even when they know that's the case. Right. So um, it's interesting. And I've been giving a lot of thought to this as to why that might be. Um, and I've come up with an interesting perspective if we want to kind of talk. Yeah, about yeah. It. Dig it, dig it, dig it. Go for it, dude. Yeah. So a lot of times you look at people like, and you know, we're both consultants, right? So we'll work with companies and we'll look at a company that we just are blatantly seeing they're doing something a little bit off in terms of not that anything's really wrong, but in terms of what their ambition is and what they want to you know, achieve it's very easy for us to say, oh, well, why are you doing that then, right? Like there's obvious disconnects from our perspective. And a lot of that comes down to like the analogy of being too far inside the bottle to know. But even when you do know, sometimes it's still very difficult to change. So I kind of have developed and given a lot of thought to this. And a lot of times I look at it almost as a cry for help mm. in the sense that when you're doing something that you know you should not be doing, but still do, and many times it's a cry for help because you don't have any other option. Mm. you don't actually know enough to change so your option of kind of setting your life or business or situation on fire in a sense is actually just a cry for help the interesting part and this will kind of be because we can change topics here but the interesting thing about the fire analogy there right think about that right when you're an operating a business or even your regular life mm -hmm. right you're doing something that you know you should not be doing it's yeah. obvious yeah. everybody said it to you you know it about yourself but still nothing changed well, you can be looking at that through the analogy of I'm kind of setting that situation on fire a little bit, right? Yeah. Interesting thing about fire, if we look at fire as is, it, fire is a purifying element. It is. Right? Think about cooking, think about anything, right? It purifies whatever it is that it is doing. So if we look at almost like a subconscious kind of thing, when we're doing things that we know we should not be doing, even when everybody else in our circle is telling us not to do it, yet we still do it, it's actually just a subconscious way to purify the idea of doing so because we don't have anything else to do it's a cry for help so especially when you look at this through a real lens of empathy 
because yeah. like, we've worked with business owners, it gives us this extra level of empathy. Be like, okay, I understand now why you're doing something. And I think that's really interesting. I think that can be very effective for a lot of leaders. It can be huge for a lot of leaders. Um, it's kind of one of the things I've, I've, and I've talked with a couple of friends about this thing of empathy, one of which right now is highly lacking um, just in society in general. Uh, there is there doesn't seem to be enough empathy or compassion going around. There's a lot of there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of other stuff happening, and and that just falls right into the workplace. That falls into the businesses because everything else that's rolling around. And I would think that would lead back to the the statement that you made about high high accountability as a leader. If you're going to if you're going to lead a charge, if you will, um, you need to do it with empathy, knowing that the warriors that are behind you are actually with you because if they're not you need to have a chat with them before you go running off into the sunset and find out you're by yourself it's it's no it's no fun task to you know lead a multi-million dollar company and everybody that's supposed to be supporting you is like okay yeah he's he's good yeah it it kind of it kind of leaves it kind of leaves it kind of leaves the, the the leader like out in the middle of the alligators by himself yeah, not a good place to be, but totally makes sense. You have you've had mentors that have helped you with uh, with your business, um, and we'll we'll get into that you know more of who those were in the next one. But just as a as a again a precursor to how you've gotten to where you are, how many have you had? Yeah, um, I would say three, and I think three main ones, of course. And then I always think there's, you can call, you can label a mentor and your parents, you can, you know, yep. but I would say people that I would really call, like I specifically seeked out for a reason, I would give three. Um, the main one to me that I still work with to this day, um, he's by far been one of the most transformational um, in the sense of me working with him as, a, as, you know, a client of his and him being my coach. Um, and we focus mainly, and I think you might even be able to tell this based on some of my answers, but we focus heavily on emotional intelligence and, and really gearing and heavy on that side of things. It's funny. I don't know. I'm not sure how much you looked into anything of, of my content or anything, but literally on my website, as well as on the bios on everything that I have, the motto of my company is business is simple. People are complicated. Yeah. I saw Meaning, that. Yeah. It, it's, I believe in that so strongly. And, and I think the more that you kind of level and evolve your relationship itself i think everything around you as well as the business begins to level up all you know aligning with that um, oh yeah oh yeah yeah that's what i would say yeah that's i have a couple of friends that are actually doing uh one's doing a program specifically it's kind of like a choose your own adventure kind of coaching program which is going to be really interesting when it launches but he's real big on that what you just said which is business is simple it's not hard but people, on the other hand, yeah. And then he's, he's been walking it through a, a thing where it's like, um, it's a game. And there are rules, but nobody knows who made the rules and they can be changed. So if you're willing to make the change in the rules for the better, life changes too. Yeah. Now you, don't, you, don't, you don't have to be who you are if that's not who you are someone else said something and you picked up on it and thought that's who you needed to be. And, and leaders run into this all the time. <clears throat> I need to be this for my people. Well, who told you that? Why is that? Why is that? Why is that your standard? Because 
it might not be the standard that's necessary. It may need, it may need to be a higher standard. It may not need to be that high. It just depends on each situation. So emotional intelligence is like a huge thing with me too. It's like, if you can't really read a person well, or at least understand when they're talking, what they're really saying, uh, yeah, you're going to have a hard time. I agree. And even take that through a different angle too. You think about if you can't read another person, if you can't read yourself, mm. well, then you have no chance of reading the other person. Mm. One of the things that I've learned, it's so simple. It's like a great little pack a punch phrase. Basically, it says, if you can spot it, you got it. Right. So like, if you can see it in another person, you're giving me a lot of good quotes for Twitter and stuff like that. So keep them coming. I'm, I'm trying that. <laughs> if you can spot it, you got it. Right. So it's super simple. It just puts in perspective how easy that makes it look. If you can see something in somebody else, well, then that means you can see it in yourself or at least have seen it in yourself, or you can see yourself in the future doing it. So I think understanding more of self-awareness, which I think, you know, Gary Vee says it, but a ton of people are pushing that because it's so important and people think, yeah, it's a sexy term. It's, it's all over the internet, but if you kind of reverse engineer what that word actually means, and you look at all the billion of different things you can do behind self-awareness and how that affects your life and people around you, then you'd give it a second thought, you know? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting that emotional intelligence is usually reading others, but like you just said, um, self-empathy and self-compassion are extremely important. Self-awareness is extremely important. With me, it's always be present. And when everybody hears that, well, at least the folks that I've told that to, it's like, just, just be present. You know, create a space for somebody to be. They forget that they're in that same space. That space is also for them to be. And sometimes I have to remind them, it's like, it's not, it's not just them. You're, you're there too. Don't, don't forget about you. I mean, you're a part of this equation. The, the only way you're going to have a conversation is if two people talk. <laughs> One person talking is a lecture. That's not a, that's, that's not a conversation. And I, I, I think half the time, some consultants forget that when they get into a, a moment of talking with, with the leaders of a company, they end up talking more at them than with them. And yeah. it, it kind of misses the mark. That's cool. Um, guys, we're going to take a short 30-second break. Golly, that went quick. Wow. We take a quick, short 30-second break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the mentors and some of the life lessons that uh, Anthony got from them uh, when it comes to both himself and for his business, All right? Back in 30 seconds. I raised my hand so that I know where exactly to do the edits. Sure. Um, this this does go on YouTube, so you'll have the YouTube and the Anchor, and then, of course, Anchor sent it out to freaking everybody. So it's yeah. on Spotify and stuff like that, too. Perfect. Um, flow's okay? Yeah, it's going great. Awesome. Just want to make sure everything's good. Um, my mic, for some reason, cut out there for a second. That's when you saw me scrambling there for a minute, yeah. I literally had to put it back on the speaker so I could hear while you're talking and then try to fix the friggin' mic. I don't know what happened. All right, cool. Um, section two, maybe it's time to have new equipment. I don't know. I mean, this Yeti is about four years old. Um, <laughs> hey, shit works. Don't fix yeah. what ain't broken. That's um, second section, we'll talk about the mentors, the lessons, some of the cool stuff that's gone on in your life, some of your pr more, more perspectives. Dude, your perspectives are cool. I'm really enjoying that. And again, thank you for the quotes. It gives yeah. us content. You know, it, it, I, I don't always get that from all the guests. Sometimes they just kind of go yeah. through things and I'm just like, okay, I need something here. I got a Rolodex in here, man. Don't worry. Bruh, drop them. Yeah. Drop them. Yeah. Uh, I'll teach you all, all day. I don't have a problem with that. All right, cool. Back in three, two. Hey, guys, back here at Java Chat, hanging out with Anthony Sabatino 
founder and CEO, ASPF. Uh, it's a consultancy that deals with small and medium-sized businesses that are looking to scale. They're looking to get up there. Um, and through his journey, you know, he's, he's mentioned he's had three main mentors and, of course, numerous other ones. We all do. Uh, probably a few coaches, too, here and there. In the midst of all of that, um, these are the people that helped him shape and mold the way he is, how he does business, how he does things. I mean, he, he experienced it himself, and he had the help and guidance. And by the way, if you don't have a mentor, um, you should probably seek one out. It's easier to learn from the mistakes of others and from the success of others. Success always leaves clues. There's an old cliche for you. Um, and, and I'm sure Anthony has gone through that too. Um, let's start with your first one, because the first one told you about flipping and, F and got you kind of into the FBA thing. How did that relationship, I mean, is that when you saw it? Is that when it popped up? And, and how did that work? Yeah, um, I kind of relate that a little bit to serendipity. So what happened was um, I was just starting out, didn't really have any plans of anything, really. I was just, I knew that entrepreneurship was kind of in my blood. I knew that I had something more to give. I just didn't know how. I had nothing at all, right? Um, so what was happening, and I'll be completely transparent, what was happening, I was just scrolling through Instagram one day, um, and I came across a post of this mentor. His name's Alex, um, and he was basically providing a lot of value around these topics, right? Around just e-commerce in general. Um, there was a lot of information as well about, you know, back in financial and personal financial stuff that um, I definitely sought out and needed and, and wanted. Um, but yeah, so it was kind of just as flow as it could possibly be, right? Like I was scrolling through Instagram. I found this one person, got a lot of value from, you know, a lot of his content and basically sucked into his realm and what he had to offer. And through a couple of days of me just kind of doing my own research about him and what he had to offer, I invested basically um, a good amount of money in a time when I didn't really have a whole ton of money, right? So it's one of those take the leaps and figure out what happens next. Uh, I think that's a big part. Um, and I can definitely speak from personal experience there. Um, I can even give a really interesting story. So um, when I did that, um, like I said, it was, it was a hard financial move to do um, at the time. But one of the most interesting things that I thought of was, hey, let me not tell anybody, right, that I just did that. I was very scared, to be honest, right? And I think that's yeah. important to yeah. bring out to your audience, right? There was a lot of fear, not only of making the first move to do it, but also to tell anybody that I was even involving myself in this world. So there's a lot of fear there. I didn't tell anybody for a good two to three months. Hmm. Um, and I was just basically, you know, nose to the grindstone trying to figure everything out because I was trying to make the big massive decision I just made <clears throat> to get work, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, a good two to three months, I didn't tell anybody and I was just learning and implementing as best as I could. Um, but yeah, I would say that's, that's basically how it happened. It was just that easy. And I don't know if that was based on the, you know, I was in what I was ready for at that particular time in my life. And that just happened to be there. Right. And it, all it took was for me to see that, um, for me to take action or it could have been something else, but it was very, you know, loose in the sense that it kind of got me into it. And, and this is the mentor you're still working with today. Uh, we still speak, we don't work with each other anymore. Um, but we still speak. We have a really close net relationship now. That's see, now that's, that's when I consider an actual mentorship is or was real. It's because you have a long-lasting friendship that goes beyond business. It's mm -hmm. literally, how's how you doing? How's the kids? What's new with you? What are you working on now? Awesome. Glad to hear it. You need anything? Let me know. You know the, those, those kinds of relationships to me are much more fulfilling, both for business and for personal. Because you have now, you have a connection to another human that, like you said, may be serendipitous, but at the same time, 
was probably meant to be for yeah. some for some reason who knows if you'll ever know what the reason was not that it really matters uh short aside i was i was watching uh, a live on what's that uh, tech on tiktok and it was somebody was talking about astrology and some some student in the class was talking about the the vastness of space how can we fit how how do we fit into all of this and why do we even matter and it was kind of funny that the thought popped in it's like well it's not so much that anything matters it's the fact that we're matter mm. we are matter therefore we do matter now we may not yeah. matter in the giant chaotic scheme of things that rolls around in this big vast universe but right here and right now we matter and I, and I think that comes with a huge load of responsibility. And again, accountability comes right along with that. So perfect, perfectly, uh, perfectly illustrated. Who was your second? Where, where did that go? How did that, how did that one happen? Yeah. So basically what had happened with my second one, his name is Tyson. He's the one I still work with today. Okay. Um, okay. And basically what happened was um, he was a business partner of the person who built my first website. Ever. Nice. Okay. Yeah, so I was working with someone to build out a website and had been connected with him just through a network of business partners. Um, and he just, again, one of those things, right? When I think when you find value in someone that gives perspectives that are different than yours, that align with you, that you kind of felt spoken to, you, you deserve it for yourself to explore that deeper. So at that point, I knew the ROI basically, right. Of being helped and, and having a mentor and a coach. So at that point, I knew that that was still something that I wanted to seek out. So, you know, come that point, we just communicated and we ended up working together for two months. That was our first initial plan. We focused a lot. That was, that's the emotional intelligence stuff. That was right at the beginning. We took, we basically hit the ground running is with really deep level stuff. Um, and I couldn't have been happier from doing so because my mind was shaken when I first learned about all this kind of stuff, because I was, you know, just like everybody else, that was no different, no special. So you start implementing all of these high level emotional tactics and you're like, wow. Okay. So, you know, it's a lot to take in, but yeah, we've been working together now for over, over eight, nine months now. Um, so it's just a constant relationship. Um, and one of the best ways, um, that I think I can explain that, right. Is like, the more that you know, the more you realize you don't know anything, that kind of thing. So when I can kind of just sit in that space of really realizing that, you know, there's just so much more and, and the exciting journey of figuring everything out as we go is, is really all that matters. Such a cool thing when you can actually get to that spot. Cause I, I was a musician for 15 years. Most of my listeners know this, but I'll, I'm just resharing this for you. Um, <clears throat> many times instead of play, instead of coming to a situation with no mind, my ego used to bring everything I could. And it took two or three people, one in particular who really shook me and said, why do you keep talking? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, you just absolutely showed how stupid you are just now. Yeah. You, really, you really shouldn't say anything until everybody's done talking. Shut up. And I had to, I, that was a big shaker for me. Um, cause I didn't, at the time I, I, I knew, I knew I could feel people as, as far as reading people, but the other side of it, I didn't know. Yeah. I, in fact, that's a good question as you were learning all of this. And I know it's mind blowing. That's probably an easy term to use as, as a general term, but as you were learning all this emotional and IQ stuff, what were some of the realizations that you were having? Like, 
both within and, and without you? What, what did you see? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked that. So one of the <laughs> things that I noticed, I want to say maybe within the first month or so of really giving this a good at bat, like really, you know what I mean? Like really diving into it, not shaking away, not staring away, like really leaning in. I started noticing that everything around me was changing in ways that I wasn't controlling, right? And I know that sounds a little like, you know, woo-woo-y kind of stuff, but the reality was, you know, you it's gave you gave me at least the realization that you actually are more of a creator in more ways than just like content and social media, but like you do actually shift a lot just by nature of how you are, right? So once I started realizing how different people were around me were treating me in, in good ways and better ways and, and how I was treating them and, and just the different people that were walking into my life effortlessly, I started really realizing you just have to kind of take a step back and be like, all right, like I'm not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like you have to kind of really buy into that at some point where you realize, okay, let me just keep leveling me up, right? And allow what is to be. That really, I think, in my opinion, it, it creates more of a fulfillment throughout the journey. It's a, it's a huge thing when you can really see. Most people walk through life not. True. Um, and half of that has to be with the fact that, and it's funny. Everybody, and this is just an opinion. I really feel like everybody does have at least a little bit of emotional intelligence. Yeah. It's whether or not they actually, it's whether or not they actually develop it to the point that they can really make good use of it in a positive manner. Because uh, yeah. I've also seen it used manipulatively, which I don't appreciate. But if you really understand what's going on in the situation, again, being present, yeah. you can shift the situation in a heartbeat. It could be just a, a it could be a, a something with the body language, or it could be an actual word set. You just yeah. you just never know unless, like you said, you never know unless you know you don't know and seek to find out. Yeah. seek to understand I, I, and that's that's still an old cliche seek to understand before being understood it's still being done a lot today and i don't know why people still do it it's like you don't really get any satisfaction out of being that way why do you still do that it even it, it, it's even changed my perspective on a few subjects where it's like i was a staunch holder on a certain opinion and finally taking a look at the other side of it hmm. okay there's some new facts <laughs> and i probably should have heard before i start having an opinion but it's what it is okay so number three who was number three yeah so his name was david um at this point right this was i want to this is fairly recent you know maybe four three four months ago basically what it was what it was now at this point right in business i had my own network i had partners of my own i had people all around me um so i was introduced just through a, a network of a network of a friend um and wanted to work with him because he offered a almost same thing very emotional intelligence based very base everything from yourself and then the things in your business will be more easily you know understood and you can mm -hmm. you'll know what to do next basically mm -hmm. was the whole mm -hmm. premise so a lot, a lot of big problems and i'm sure your audience will be able to relate to this the lack of clarity is almost a pandemic given of its own right like huge clarity so desired yeah. because all we want as the entrepreneur is some level of control of like what to do next like we need to figure out so it makes us feel comfortable the reality is it's not comfortable at all right nope. like the, nope. the hectic nature of a business doesn't <laughs> yep. equate comfortability so but we so 
desperately want it. So the entire process and premise around working with David was, I really wanted to ensure that, okay, great. I understood all these really in-depth emotional intelligence things. And I, and I really was noticing a lot of differences and really mm -hmm. amazing things, mm -hmm. but I want to start figuring out more of like, why am I, why am I actually affecting all these things? Right. And what does that mean to me? So I started working with him um, and we started really doing that a lot in terms of the business specifically, right? So we'll be looking a lot about what am I actually doing that's affecting the business in term, a lot of that comes down to leadership, right? Like a lot of things within the business structure I'm talking about mm -hmm. and how we introduce a lot of these emotional intelligence, things like empathy, self-awareness, you know, self-compassion outwardly in a business structure to allow the business itself to grow to what it's supposed to be where it still makes you feel fulfilled about the business, right? It's not just about transactional money now. It's more about impacting the people around you. Um, so I really, again, I just, I felt spoke to with that type of content and that type of value that I really wanted to surround myself more with that to inevitably lift myself up around it as well. So it's the same thing that I kind of always, I guess, spread, mm -hmm. but almost doing it from my own within as well. Like mm -hmm. actually saying to myself, I don't want to create an upper limit belief on purpose. Like I don't want to be my own limitation. Right. Let me separate from that and let me be surrounded by somebody else who I know knows more and can do more in a different angle. And let me be surrounded by that. So that, and again, it's just one of those things where I genuinely, genuinely feel when you know more about you, everything around changes. Because you think about business, it's a relationship art and a science, right? Like it's all about relationships. And you can even look about, you know, branding. You can think about marketing in general. Your trust and credibility is everything. Yeah. And people can smell you from a mile away if you're just trying to sell them something. So yeah. what are you actually trying to do, right? And a lot of that comes down to what you know about you because your insecurities are going to come out and show and play around with whoever it is that are in front of you if you can't get a grip on them or at least be aware of them. Yep. So that is something that I focus on a lot, even still to this day, but as a continuous improvement and an incremental type thing, I really, really believe in that. That is amazing. It's kind of, uh, it's refreshing to hear somebody talk about this in this manner. Um, a lot of times we don't, I don't think we dig far enough into the subject. Um, it's always deeper than we think. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Think hard and good things happen. It's, it's kind of yeah. the, it's, there's so many cliches terms that run around everything that you just talked about, including manifesting and all of that stuff. And it's like, most people are like, it's so it's it, the terms are becoming passe and I get it. But at the same time, it's like, whether these terms are passe, cliche, whatever word you want to use, they're real and they affect uh, situations that you need to have affected or need to affect yourself. And if you don't pay attention to those things, and let's be honest, humans get lazy. It happens. And every once in a while, we have to go back to the mirror and go, ooh, I'm slipping. Yeah. Which is why it's good. You still have a mentor. You still, you still have other people around you that can, that can offer guidance here and there. They can look on the outside of the bob just in case you get into your own, right? Of course. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> exactly. Like, like for someone to say, oh, I don't need to learn anymore is bizarre. Oh. I have a library of books and I go back to the old books because I keep forgetting shit. This is, yeah. this is, this is not unusual. It's human. Exactly. It's human nature, right? That's, that's the point. So like the second that you start thinking that you're the know-it-all, just like your kind of example, right? Where someone told you like, Hey, stop talking, right? Like you kind of fall into it all the time. It happens to all of us. Like it's nothing to be overjudged of, right? It's just simple human nature. So just yeah. surround 
you know, being surrounded by people who don't exactly allow that, you know what I mean? Like can point it out better for you because it's very hard for us to point it out ourselves. It's better. You remind me of a story um, of, of all, of all people I'm going to use as an example, Shaq. Shaq talks about how he basically blew about a million bucks when he was a young basketball star. Um, he wanted a black on black Mercedes. And, it, and this, this is, this just started going around recently. I just saw it. Um, there was an interview where he was talking about, he wanted a black on black Mercedes, went down to the dealership, bought it, it was $156,000. It was probably an S class. Most likely that's about what those run. Got home. Dad comes out and goes, where's mine? And Shaq's immediate reaction was, you know what, dad, you're right. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be here. So they went back to the dealership and they bought another $150,000 black on black Mercedes. And they brought dad home and mom looks up and goes, what about me? So they went back to the Mercedes dealership. <laughs> they bought another three Mercedes sitting in the in the driveway of this new house that they have. Yeah. And he gets a call from his banker. And he's like, Shaq, I gotta talk to you. We, we need we need to have a chat. He says, most most basketball, most athletes, when they finish playing, whether it's baseball, basketball, football, they usually end up with nothing because they don't know how to manage their funds. You're a young, bright star, you're on fire. I don't want to see you end up like that. I want to help you manage your money. We're going to make this work. And if, if anybody knows anything about Shaq, he's got a philosophy of, it's not about how much money you can make. It's about how much money you can keep. Mm. I have a feeling yeah. that came from that banker, but that's the whole surrounding yourself with people that know more than you to make sure that you're covered. And that one, that one literally presented itself as a, as a result of, holy shit, this kid's just throwing money out the window. We got to talk. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen that in companies. We've seen that, you know, where sometimes they have such a budget, they just, they throw money at shit to think that the problem will go away. And that's not the right solution. We've also seen it where they didn't put the investment where it needed to be. And of course the leadership was like, no, we don't really need that. Interesting. Uh, to piggyback off of actually, since you brought it up. So you think about, you know, people, a lot of companies will throw money at something, think that's going to solve the problem. Well, this is going to walk right into both of our fields here within marketing, but think about this, because this is the most evident way to look at this. Think about how many companies both of us have probably seen. I can speak only myself, but I can sure you've done the same. Think about how many companies that think that if you're not throwing a ton of money into paid advertising, that throwing money into paid advertising is somehow going to be the silver bullet. <laughs> It's crazy, but if anything, that's what a lot of people believe and a lot of businesses believe. But the reality is just like with money, like everybody thinks, oh yeah, I'll be happy when I have more money. It's like, no, 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 no. The money just accentuates what is already there. It just speeds the process up. Yeah. Same thing with the marketing. If you have a, you know, a shitty offer and everything and like your entire business is not where it's supposed to be. And then you throw a thousand dollars a month of paid media or 10,000 or a hundred thousand. You just sped up everything that would have taken a year, but now it's in a month. Good so it everything of what is there. So the Shaq example is a perfect, you know, analysis of that. Oh God. I hope everybody just heard what he just said. <laughs> yeah. Like fucking really? Cause okay. So truth be told, I was a big paid ads guy for a long time. Um, because I dealt a lot with, um, or learned about machine learning, AI and identity resolution. Um, I have two friends that are, are awesome guys in the, in the industry and they have, they have the ability to bring data to the table that really digs into Facebook and Google's pockets, which I totally love because I don't care for either one of them. 
Um, but they're the places that you have to advertise for now because one actually built web 2.0 and the other one basically dominates most of the social medias. Um, but you end up renting data from them. So as a paid as guy, a solution to be able to dig into their pockets and tell them, no, you can't charge me that much. You can only charge me this much instead. Oh, no, I'm saving companies money. That's a wonderful thing. But on the back end of it, there was still no SEO. And there were still no further strategies. There were still no brand management strategies. There were still, there were still, and it's like, it, it's taken me a few years, but I finally caught on. It's like, okay, so we're back to the hybrid catalyst model, if you will, where you have all of it. You have some paid ads for the short term. You have definitely have SEO for the long haul. You definitely have a brand management strategy. You definitely have a logistics strategy. You definitely have a, you know, all of it. It has to be comprehensive from the holistic standpoint of things. If you don't, if you don't have the holistic standpoint of things, they will run into exactly what you just talked about. Great run on the ads, guys. How much money did we spend? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Awesome. Wonderful. How much do we make? Hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wait, hold up a second. <laughs> yeah. Uh, something's not quite even there. <laughs> How much do we spend? Hundreds of thousands. How much do we make? Hundreds of thousands. Uh, shouldn't it be millions? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, yeah, like you said, we've both seen it. Um, I think one of the, the, the greater uh, successes of a leader is when they realize, okay, we, we tried that, it didn't work, but we only tried that. Yeah. Whatever that was. Yeah. We, we tried everything. Did you try it as a comprehensive, holistic... Oh yeah. Okay. Now we have something to look at. Well, let's go pull the gears out of the machine and take a look at which one's missing a cog. When I say that they look at me with cross-eyed, like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, somewhere in there, you had a total picture, or at least you think you did. Yeah. But something's missing. If you've really tried everything and then they get nervous and start second guessing themselves. Have you ever seen that one? Of course. <laughs> Well, 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 what do you mean? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what I mean because I haven't looked at it yet. Have you looked at it? <laughs> yeah. Because they remember, so that's what I was saying before. That it's like that's them kind of like exploiting what they thought was they were standing on was sturdy ground. It wasn't the entire time. It wasn't. Oh, why do I think of biblical verses at times like this? A house built on sand. Anyway. Um, yeah. That's awesome. All right, guys, we're going to take one more 30-second break. We come back. Um, we're going to get into what Anthony's up to. What's, what's, what's coming down the pipe for him next? You know, another multi-million dollar company? Maybe. Maybe a book? Maybe. We'll see. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Hey, guys. Coffee with Mike here. Back here on Java Chat with Anthony Sabatino. We've been talking pretty deep stuff um, when it comes to emotional intelligence and being able to take a look at the whole picture. Um, which I really appreciate because, uh, and I have had quite a few guests that, that have been able to talk about it. Um, I don't know that we've gotten as deep into it as Anthony and I have. So I, I'm, it's, it's, this has been a real good, uh, this has been a real good fun run. Um, Anthony, you have a, a company called ASPF. Talk to us about what your company does. Yeah. <clears throat> so ASPF Solutions is a consulting company. So what we do is we'll work one-on-one -on -one with companies and businesses that 
um, are kind of in that transitional stage of, you know, maybe they're a one person business. There could be a team of 10, five, 15. Um, we usually like to stick within that, you know, maybe 15 to 50 staff range or, or even one um, to kind of help that transitional stage of scale a little bit, you know, a little bit more frictionless, right? Because um, there's a lot of things that go into that. So um, we focus a lot on, you know, brand leverage. So whether that means through social media, through press, things of that nature, but we want to make sure that the branding is actual branding and not just a facade for transactions. So we put a very heavy, um, you know, focus on that to mm -hmm, ensure that mm -hmm. you're building trusted brand. We also put a very heavy focus on company structure and delegation strategies. So especially if you're a company, you know, with five, 15, 20 employees, or even just partners and executives on staff, um, we want to make sure there's a good flow of communication. People are in the right roles. We go through a lot of leadership training with there as well. Um, that's a lot where we implement mm -hmm. a lot of some intelligence stuff that we kind mm -hmm. of move to that. Mm -hmm. um, so we add that in a lot. But either way, basically what we do is we'll work one-on-one -on -one with them to ensure that the accountability of such executions that we're going to be talking about within the strategy that we'd be consulting um, actually come to fruition. So, you know, we've had amazing client reviews that we've worked with and had a lot of great businesses that, you know, we've been able to actually help scale to really amazing numbers and great multipliers. So um, that's basically, you know, the, the in a nutshell of what we do. I'm sure we can talk deeper. Oh, yeah. The, so when you're talking about scaling, because a lot of people don't understand what that word means. They are scaling and all of a sudden it's woo. And yeah. what, what, is that, what does that really entail? I mean, when you're looking at it from the standpoint of, um, a small team of five and they're at a they're they're at the point of we either bite the bullet or we sit here and hope for rain what which is what a lot of small businesses do they they, yeah. they have they face that choice how do you how do you help them figure on scaling what does that mean yeah so you know i think that's contingent on what kind of revenue they're bringing in at that one particular moment um, i think scaling can go a few different routes but i do think at the end of the day we need to ensure at least consistency in revenues there that way you can start making decisions with a little bit more flow um, and not feel like one decision comes at a sacrifice for another yep. so um however one of the things that i think scaling really comes hand in hand with is the ability to delegate properly which is one of the biggest areas right so if you could be a team of five in your example right five people can't cover everything maybe, right? It's probably yeah. pretty good, but yeah. there's definitely more that can be done. So then it just becomes a self-awareness audit of mm. what exactly are those five people of just strengths and awareness, uh, strengths and weaknesses, I'm sorry, mm -hmm. right? Like looking at, because then you just look at delegation as really simplicity, because then you can look at, okay, where is everybody's strength situated? Situated, figure it out, right? Mm -hmm. Audit back. Mm -hmm. And then look at where our weaknesses are kind of over-converging with each other and say, we need to hire somebody for that. You know what I mean? And all of a sudden you start realizing that the things that you did not want to do, that you just never expressed to the other four people that were there, if you're part of the one, right, are actually things that those other four people hate doing too. And we're actually holding you back the entire time, right? And so you start really realizing how much you, how much not only money, but how much just growth in general, whatever that means, you were leaving on the table. Um, and that happens to almost every company. Like it's, it's oh, not yeah. exactly something that you just wake up and avoid it's yeah. something that everybody's got to address um yeah sorry what's what no no you're good um without mentioning the company unless you want to um what would you say was probably to date your most favorite success mm. so it was a company located here in new york city um on wall street um it was an investment company so it was one of the biggest bigger companies we'd work with nice um and 
it was my favorite success because one of the things that we got to do was it aligned perfectly with our um, our missions and our areas of expertise. We focused 100% on branding and 100% on company structure because um, they had a good amount of um, people on staff and their revenue was through the roof. So we had no issue there. So we could actually make moves. Nice. Make moves. So one of our favorite, I guess that would be our favorite overall client that we've been able to work with because what we did is we took somebody in a space in the investment world on wall street which is, you can imagine very white collar very corporate very stressful very stressful <laughs> um, you know you think the classic example you know 80 100 one hour you know work weeks and oh, yeah. like that and that's what oh, you're yeah. trying to relate to so mm-hmm. we took branding to a whole different level with that right and we started implementing strategies that were a little bit more unique to them and independent to them because that's another big thing with me is I cannot stand these blanket statements of marketing or branding thing that it works for everybody. A perfect example of that is the paid marketing tactic, right? Like everybody thinks paid marketing is going to solve their entire world, but then you get there and it doesn't. So I hate these blanket statements, right? So when we're going in there, we're consulting, what we're doing is we're looking at independent situations within each company. And that could even mean that could go so minute as each oh, yeah. department. Right. Yeah. So you have different departments and companies too, mm-hmm. that you have to figure all this stuff out mm-hmm. with. Mm-hmm. So our best work has been probably with them because it was actually our most difficult in the sense that it took way more uniqueness and it did not just, it wasn't just me, you know, helping or me just consulting about what you should do. It was like, we need to take this very head on. Like this is a one-on-one situation. Right. And I think that was kind of where we exploited our best service, our best ability to help something scale because they had revenue. Right. It's a lot of other small businesses they work with. They have revenue, but definitely not to their scale. Sure. We were able to kind of um, great example thing I always like to bring up is a lot of small business owners and entrepreneurs. They they kind of put these bigger companies. And when I say bigger, I mean, with staff revenue, anything that you consider bigger, they put them on a pedestal to think that they're that much different than them. One thing that I can say from personal experience is that all the problems and all the issues and, and, and disconnects that these small businesses are struggling with, all the bigger ones are struggling with the same ones, just with scarier numbers yeah. attached to them, right? Yep. Yep. If you can really acknowledge that, you bring everybody back to this evil, you know, even playing field. So you look at, you know, independent strategies and consulting, that was definitely at least my favorite and mm-hmm. my team's favorite mm-hmm. because we were able to really like get things very specific. It's, it's one of the cool things that I witnessed um, through one of the associations that I, I am a part of um, where when they have their, their yearly conference, they get a lot of large sponsors, you know, everything from Microsoft onto uh, other, other well-sized companies that are considered mid-sized to enterprise. And when I go to that conference and I hear the people that are the experts talking about things, I kind of chuckled to myself. If, if my business partner's there, we literally create a table in the back called the chuckle bucket because we sit there, we listen to him, we go, do you hear this? These guys are still working on that. Have they not figured out how to get that done yet? And then I have to remember as consultants and as, as marketers as well, we're agile enough as a smaller operation, but we have the same issues. Just like you said, we have the same issues that they have. The only difference is we're agile. They're huge, cumbersome, and of course they make a, a shit ton more money, but their nets are still, their, their net percentages are still standard. 
You know, they're not people, they're not they're not breaking out 60% profit. They're still eking by 23% or you know, 30%, whatever it is. And I sit there and I just I I and again, we just sit in the back, we kind of chuckle about it because it's like, Jesus, nobody's getting any further along than anybody else. Yeah. It's it and nobody sees it, like right. you said. Yeah. That, they, they, that, so when you can live in your own world, this is the same process of being so inside the bottle, you can't read the label. Like you don't even, you don't yep. even see what the companies are struggling with until you get someone like me or you who can take this independent standpoint and be like, just so we're all aware, right? Like these problems are living in all oh, yeah. companies. Oh, yeah. So it gives the small business owner and the small business team a little bit more confidence and a little bit more conviction in their actions because it allows them to take a little bit, just a little bit bigger risk than maybe they were able to in the beginning because they say to themselves, well, if they're struggling with it and they're making 25 times more than me, well, what do I got to lose, right? Like I'm doing the same yep. route. Yep. It's important, I think, to be able to do that. Yep. Who Who is typically a client or a potential client for you? I would kind of what we just spoke about, right? So it's kind of a company, small business to medium-sized business. Usually if they're a one-person business who are looking to really scale, like they're at a point where they're really trying to scale, or mainly if I'm being completely transparent, mainly it's teams of around five to 15 is really company size where we're working with. And we'll take them kind of to the next level where they're looking to go. Um, but industry wise, if we're looking really specific, we don't really specify niche wise on the industry. What we found at least is that we take more of a macro perspective on the consulting, and then we'd be able to take a micro level per industry. So we've been, we have a vast amount of experience awesome. in the industry. So we don't really, you know, deny business or clientele and help based on the industry themselves um what do you what would you say like say i'm john q public obviously um and i got a business what would you say would be the trigger for me to start looking for somebody like you um plateaus um the biggest thing is and that's hard to be aware of by the way yes um so you have to, it's not just financial is my point. So when I look at a business who, and I've had, you know, sales calls in the past, potential clientele that we're working with in different businesses and even just the C-level executives of these businesses and, or just as equal, the solo entrepreneur, the one person business, both calls go the same, or at least very similar way in the sense that, you know, we're trying to figure out where there are plateaus that you guys need to bridge the gap of. Because there's many different other than financial. So if you, and that's the biggest one probably to notice. So mm -hmm. the biggest trigger I would say is if there's a financial plateau, that would definitely needs to be assessed. But I would look at other things too. And just some examples, I would look at other things as, are you not even desiring to delegate? Are you not desiring to hire? Well, that's a problem. We don't know what that, that is yet. But we need to conversate about that because that's going to limit everything. <clears throat> yep. You know, you can look at, do you not desire or do you have confusions based around your brand purpose? And I think brand purpose is such a macro term, but what I mean is when you look at what your credibility and trust is to the marketplace, do you have a very good sense of that? Because people can look at you as a commodity place where mm -hmm. you're just buying and selling. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. if you're just buying like a, a product or a service from somebody, you're just a commodity. If you can look at it as, <clears throat> do you have any desire for brand? Yes, no. Well, if it's no, and you're just kind of confused and you give me kind of that half-assed answer, right? Of like, I'm not really sure we're on social media. Okay. That's the trigger. So there's yep. a lot of different things. 
Um, I would look at backend systems as well. You know, I'm, I'm a service-based business, obviously. So my onboarding and my backend follow-ups are crucial to me, right? I'm on top of that, like white on rice. So I'm always, in, always making sure that everything in the consumer experience is important. So if I ask you, you know, on the call, hey, well, what's your consumer, you know, have you, would you want to be a consumer? And everybody's going to say yes, of course, it's their business. But would you want to, what do you consider your consumer experience being like, right? And then if you don't really have things laid out, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of different things that I would call plateaus, but I would just make sure that all of those things you not overjudge, you have an open mind to a, more of a solution-based mindset. Super awesome. Cool. Where can people find you? Yeah. So you can, um, my biggest platform by far is Instagram. If you want to look me up on Instagram, it's at Anthony Sabatino, ASPF, all one word, no spaces, no nothing. Um, if you want to take a look at my website, um, it's www.aspfsolutions.com. I have a lot of organized information and content on there that gives you pretty much exactly what you'll need to know to learn more about me, my backstory, as well as my services. Uh, and one thing that I'd love to just do a shameless plug here, um, the biggest thing that I'm most excited about content-wise, and this is completely free, like you can just look this up on YouTube. Um, I started a vlog in uh, New York City. So we're basically, we go around and it just documents the entire process of building a small business up to medium and scale. Oh, that's to huge. I'll need, I'll need that link. That's I'll huge. It, yeah. It's it's by far, and again, I'm, so I'm a big access driven guy in the sense that what branding offers because information has been so commoditized over mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. media and the internet. So mm-hmm. I went full access in this and that I don't hold anything back. I give, there's five vlogs currently on YouTube right now. They're around 14 to 18 minutes long. Some of them, two of them are a little bit shorter. They're like nine minutes long, but let me tell you, they offer more and they pack more of a punch in terms of business acumen and what you can gain from that than anything else so i push everybody to follow on youtube and subscribe at anthony Sabatino. um i genuinely really really believe just based on the feedback i've gotten already that that one particular avenue of content can help so many different starter business owners specifically super huge dude um yeah i'm i'm subscribing today that's for damn sure right on um <laughs> we have more to to share i'm sure unfortunately we're kind of slow on time oh did i lose you there he is. Sorry, just got a phone call. Huh? It's all good. Um, oh, that's right. We're on your fire. Okay. This has been awesome. And I we got to figure out a time to come back and chat some more because um, you got really cool insights. Um, I'm definitely going and watching the YouTube stuff because and I'll probably have more questions on that so that maybe we can have you back. Um, yeah. I, I, like, I like this conversation. Um, thank you again, for coming and sharing your wisdom, your insights, your experience, your story. Um, I'm quite sure there's quite a few people that will get a good, solid few nuggets out of this one. So I really appreciate you, man. Of course, man. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, Guys, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget, hit the subscribe button and the little bell next to it. So, you know, when we get awesome guests like Anthony Sabatino over here, uh, don't forget to follow Anthony on social. And as he just told you, Instagram. Uh, are you on LinkedIn too? I am. Just my regular name, Anthony Seventeen. Got it. Follow him. He might post some stuff over there, but definitely go check that YouTube channel out. All those links are going to be down below. You guys, you know, we do that with all of our podcasts. If you're listening uh, on any of the podcast platforms, we're on like, I think 12 or 13 now. Jeez. Um, make sure you subscribe or download. If you don't mind, if you're on iTunes, give us a review. We could use it. Uh, if you're listening to us on Anchor, uh, that is our homepage. We do have a new Tee Public store. 
So you can now get a Java Chat shirt, Java Chat cup. You can, I, I think we even have a, a pillow that you can buy. But go, go figure, whatever. That's, I'm more for the coffee cup, that's just me. Right. But it, if anything, make sure that you guys stop by and show some support if you would. We could use it there too. Biggest one, you gotta know somebody that would have loved to heard this one. Share it with them, send them the link. Let them hear what Anthony has to share. Um, every bit of every bit of the guests that we bring on here are specifically for you and for your friends, your colleagues, your family, people that that probably need to hear this stuff. So make sure you share it with them. Above and beyond, we thank you very much for stopping and taking the time and making the time to come and hear us. So make sure you stay up, stay safe, stay healthy, and live. For myself, Coffee with Mike and Anthony Sabatino. Ciao for now. For more information on Java Chat, visit www.javachatpodcast.com. You've been listening to Coffee with Mike on Java Chat. Tune in weekly to this podcast for the next episode. You can also download or subscribe today on your favorite podcast platform. A production of Oasis Media Group, LLC. Located in Las Vegas, Nevada. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.